Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck. Now, each week, we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long love petrificatus totalis. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Got it in one. I don't think uh, Hermione would be have any problem with my pronunciation at all. Not at all. Uh, speaking of, this week on the Memory Distillery, now, Harry. You must know all about muggles. Tell me, what exactly is the function of Rub-A-Duck? That's right, we are watching Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets from 2002, directed by Chris Columbus. It is 2020, so we figured, since every week feels like it's a year long, uh, why not spend each week in a different year of the Harry Potter series? So that's what we're doing, and continuing into year two with Chamber of Secrets. I personally uh, can't think of a much better way to spend many weeks uh, than diving into Harry Potter and reviewing the entire film series. Um, I know, as any longtime listener of our show might know, that uh, we have never really done anything like this at all. We have different series that are thematic for different seasons, things like that. But after finishing that blockbuster summer uh, series, it just felt like, okay, this is the time... To settle in and get comfortable before we hit the uh, spooktacular Halloween series and and just uh, <laughs> lose ourselves a bit in Harry Potter and I'll I'll just say I'm I'm very excited to continue this path because like as we've mentioned before in the last episode I feel like there may be you know a few missteps within the film franchise uh, I don't feel that way about the books necessarily but within the film franchise I feel like. You know, they have their difficulties trying to cram in all the content into, you know, single movies for each book. And the Chamber of Secrets is not one of my favorites in the series, but I love that we're progressing and heading down this path. Um, ultimately, you know, just to see the entire uh, universe as it's built out across all of these, you know, uh, different movies is just going to be a lot of excitement. A lot of excitement? Man, my wording is suffering today. <laughs> It's the copious amount of delicious boxed wine. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that um, th- th- this probably isn't my favorite film in the series. In fact, I'm pretty sure we both said what our favorite film in the series was, at least prior to us doing this series. And we can kind of yeah. revisit that after we do Deathly Hollows. But um, I, I think that we're, I think as the films go on in this particular run of the memory distillery we're gonna find that we we find more production value and we find deepening story and i think that the series finds its footing in in a film respect around movie three or movie four and we we get sort of better production value and kind of we get more of probably what we wanted from the books in the movies than we got in the earlier films. So I think that we have that to look forward to in the coming weeks. But I think that with uh, Chamber of Secrets, I think that we're we're going to get 
a perfectly serviceable, perfectly enjoyable film as well. So, yeah, and, and if absolutely nothing else, I, I, I'm trying my best to treat this on its own merit as a as a film series, and not getting caught up in what is or isn't included from the books, and 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 not getting caught up in, you know, the the, the shortcomings of the the first couple movies in terms of you know technology or effects, all that stuff we talked about last time, and so. Uh, I'm I'm ready, eager, and excited to take this at its own merits and to, you know, have a discussion about uh, uh, how much the the three the the trio annoy us as uh, as one of my <laughs> what I'm anticipating is one of my favorite segments because um, that ought to be fun. But yeah, I mean, there's really coming up. I mean, in a few minutes for people listening, but for us, it'll be a couple of days. You know, we're going to get a chance to do some more recasting and get into uh, precisely what our wands are and what that means. But for now, I mean, I'm just ready to just jump back into this world and, and see what kind of magical uh, thingamajigs await us. Yeah, me too. I, I think that we have a lot of cool stuff coming up in the next few minutes and over the next hour or so. So uh, everyone sit back and relax. If you want to watch along with us, it's still streaming on HBO Max. Uh, and a couple of other spots. You could also get it from your, you know, typical streaming rental services or from your personal library if you are like me and John. Yep. Uh, so we're going to go and do that. And when we come back, we are talking Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. John, are you ready? I am. All right, let's do it. Bloody hell. We're back, everyone. How y'all doing? We just got done watching us. Some Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. There's so much to discuss here. I, I, I don't know if we should start with kind of the, the side stuff or plot stuff. What were you thinking, John? I don't know. Let's just start with the overall impressions and go from there. How, how'd, you, okay. how'd you like it? I liked it. You know, I thought um, I thought it was a little slow at first. I was having a little bit of uh, uh, not not to say that it was uninteresting. Just I I, I kind of was getting to a point, probably end of Act One, beginning of Act Two, where I'm going. I really wish that we could kind of move this along, but everything, to be fair had its place in the movie like there was nothing that was sort of superfluous to the plot or anything like that so there there is it just happened to be a long movie i mean two two hour and what 40 minute runtime something like that like it's it's not a short film but uh other than that i i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was good i had fun with it what did you think I mean, I was able to have fun still. It's still part of the Harry Potter universe, and it progresses the story. And it, I'm I'm glad for the purpose it serves, getting from point A to point B later. But as, the, as far as the movie itself, I think there are elements I enjoyed, things I really liked. But it felt like even more so than the uh, Sorcerer's Stone, it felt like this was a movie aimed towards little kids. And that got to be just slightly annoying because I'm thinking, like, how it's Harry Potter. It's a magical universe story, but we got to watch, like, 18 minutes of, like, ragged car chase scenes. 
Like, how, how, I know the car flies. I know, okay, so it's magical, whatever. But it's like, how long of a scene do we need to show them taking the car and driving it, you know, flying it to Hogwarts? How long, and then revisit the car as a character and then have it, you know, drive with the spiders and racing away from the spider. And I'm like, oh, like, who cares? I don't care about that. And like, and then it has to be like, let's have like a 12 minute scene of Ron puking up slugs because oh that's cool and like you know kids like gross things and yeah that those parts definitely i could have done with less of for sure yeah and and even i mean the spiders themselves and all that okay that's not quite as bad just because it at least plays a little more into the plot directly but yeah so that there were parts that overall um that you know and okay I, I broke down early here we are talking high level stuff but we got to this 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 you know dovetails <laughs> right into our rating system of how annoying we find each of the three characters on a scale of one to ten ten being the most annoying and i'll say uh i'll, I'll just start right off harry was still fine so you know put him at around a one or two no problem hermione also fine one or two ron weasley about seven or eight because it's gotten to the point we have these three relatively unknown actors, you know, if you can call them that at this point after their, you know, first major movie makes a billion dollars or whatever. But, like, they don't know how to act. I mean, they do some good stuff acting-wise, but they're not trained. They, they don't have a lot of experience. And uh, good old Rupert, at least at this point in his career, uh, has been given the direction to just make the biggest faces... And just every time anything happens, it's over exaggerated, horrible. It drove me nuts. I just hate like it's like, uh, so I was annoyed by his performance. And every time anything happened to him or anyone else, not any time, a few times, it's okay. But like the over exaggeration, the over cartoonishness of everything. Oh, that was rough. So. That combined with some of the problems with the a really long movie, you know, basically we're knocking on the door three hours at this point, and like at least a half hour of that I feel could have been tidied up with some of the extended action scenes that weren't really especially fun or interesting. Um, so it's like, yeah, I, I feel at this point in the series, I mean, we've already said we have a fondness for the next movie, but at this point right here, I'm like, okay, let's just get through it and move on. <laughs> so it's... Well, and th- this this movie is sort of a turning point in the series, I think, because we... I, I think it's probably the last time that it really is sort of child-driven yeah. in, in, in the sense that, like, okay, these kids are about to... They're knocking on the door of puberty, and so they're going to start, like, growing up and being a little bit more serious and a little bit more mature, and... Like they're going to start kind of fulfilling their roles within this seven-year story that J.K. Rowling has put together. So I think this is the last or one of the last kind of moments of, all right, let's get the stupid kid shit out of the way. Um, I I agree with you on uh, on Harry and Hermione. Uh, You get sort of... I, I know last episode I said Hermione was kind of uh, a, a little bit more annoying and mostly because of like the condescension, but she 
walks that back in this and so she's kind of redeemed i'd put harry at a one or a two hermione at like a two or a three and then yeah ron's probably up there in like the six range six or seven for me just because like how how many slugs are you gonna puke up (laughs) how how just how dumb are you gonna get and he's gonna get dumber folks like if you haven't watched this series already he's gonna get dumber but uh that i think is that as far as the the kid ratings are concerned now as far as like the movie itself again getting into some of the highlights uh the things that i was really into um it it, really it's the expanding of the universe and getting to meet some of these you know additional characters that we haven't had a chance to meet Mm yet um alive and dead yeah alive and dead and uh for a few of these we'll get to talk some of our super super size recasting events whatever you want to call what we do (laughs) um we'll get into that but that i bring that up just because the two people that stick out to me really are you know meeting gilderoy lockhart and meeting draco malfoy or not draco uh, lucius and so yes uh, both wonderfully done by you know sir kenneth branagh and uh you know good old what's today's jason isaacs like done wonderfully so Love Jason Isaacs. So, fucking yeah. love Jason Isaacs. And so Isaacs. it's just like, it's they play the parts perfectly. They look great. They make me laugh. They they just they give the right vibes. Just perfect. So it's like to see, to see these roles taken on. Like, I think it's funny because, you know, we have these grand talks about what if we could recast and we're naming these high profile, high budget people like thinking, oh yeah, like we're going to get all of these people to want to be in our movie. But they did a heck of a job getting, you know, real high-level people uh, for all these different roles originally. So, you know, if there was some sort of... They really did. You know, they've never had a problem. No, go ahead and finish. They just have never had a problem getting, you know, casting people in these roles, especially because they were really focused on almost almost exclusively British actors and actresses. And so I think if we had a high-level, high-profile, high-budget remake or reimagining why not shoot for the stars and, and try to get all the absolute best talent? Well, and that's one thing that British cinema kind of does well. You get these movies or movie series where, like, the who's who of BAFTA decides, oh, yeah, I want to be in this movie or this series. And so you end up with all these crazy good names in your movie. And it, it, it like, it, it runs the gamut. I mean, you know, later in later films, we end up with uh, Gary Oldman and Emma Thompson, and like it's yeah. just, we 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 get all these names. Kenneth Branagh in in this movie, we get all these names from British cinema in this entire series, and it's sort of a who's who, and it's it's just it's great to see all these, not just there to be there, but there because they embody these characters so well. You yeah, know what I mean? I agree. I mean, it's it's. I'm drunk and rambling, by the way, everyone. So. Yeah, that's you know, I've I've come used to it. It's not a problem. Oh, I wasn't apologizing to you. I don't care. I'm, I'm apologizing to the audience. Well, that's cool. <laughs> don't you? Don't we have a soundboard <laughs> for moments like this? <laughs> not yet. We will okay. next week, though. So yeah. So I'll have the sad. I'll have the sad trombone queued up next yeah. episode. 
for for the movie and its place in it like you said you think we're heading towards the end of the more childish feel of things and and really i mean when you kind of talk through the series whether it's the books movies whatever i think it's it's around the time of you know goblet of fire that's like that official transition where people realize that you know Voldemort's actually back and like the the real mm-hmm. present danger erupts but yeah like i think here is just that somewhat awkward transition from little baby kids to like prepubescent kids like they're not even you know pubescent kids yet they're just you know still they're just working on it and so they're you know what 12 at this point 13 now yeah i think so 12 so, about yeah. right so it's still okay fine understandable so we so we move on here and not only meet lucius but he directly well i should say indirectly you know introduces you know the the diary of the uh, guy from rage against the machine uh into yep. into the <laughs> into the equation and that's how we get tom, tom yep. morello um <laughs> <laughs> and if you rearrange the names in tom morello you of course get marshmallow the the famous uh you know dj (laughs) techno band (laughs) um and i I don't know what marshmallow is i just guessed oh it's a food you can eat um oh yeah and if you put it in polyjuice motion you turn into the stay puff marshmallow (laughs) so it all it all ties together um it's not just nonsense but we do get to go back in time and meet tom marvello uh what was his full name tom marvalo riddle riddle that makes sense tom riddle or riddle but he tells riddles that's cute um but (laughs) riddle me this harry potter (laughs) but i I like that way of i like the way they do flashbacks i like the 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 memories and i like the the books and i like the ah what's distilleries yeah the distilleries what's the name of the thing with the wand where they pull the silvery thread out of their head and put it in the in the little sink or wherever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Surely you do. Someone does. Nope. Well, edit, Tweet at us if you know this. what John's oh. talking about. <laughs> Take it out. Um, I'm going to look it up real quick. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> as a segue to myself, I'll say, oh, yeah. No, um. It's the pensive or pensive. Oh, okay. Pensive. The pensive, 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 whatever that is that they use to they pull out the memories and then they can look at it in that dish. Like, but like between that and what's happening with this diary, where you actually get sucked in into the past. Like, I think that's just a fun little magical twist on the traditional flashbacks that are fed into different movies and stuff and so I, I do enjoy that as well well and it gives the audience sort of a, a vehicle for that that particular kind of aspect of film because usually like you do in a non-wizarding world movie you'd get you know the main character whatever character is having a flashback they look off into the distance and have that thousand yard stare and then all of a sudden it goes and you get the flashback or if it's and Wayne's world, they just kind of wave their arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, right. But you don't have to do that in the Wizarding World, because in the Wizarding World, flashbacks are explained with magic. 
Oh, you know what else is annoying? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things, but go ahead. I mean, uh, you know, to continue off my rant from earlier, uh, the introduction of Dobby. Yeah. It's just annoying. Like, that whole, uh-oh, I'm going to drop a cake on your parents' friends, and oh, now I'm here and I'm causing trouble. And like, so I think my biggest problem with Dobby was the self-flagellation. Yeah, that constantly, that too. like that part of me, that that part of that character, and and repetitively doing it, that grated on me a lot. Yeah. And I I get that it was probably supposed to, and like you're supposed to really feel bad for this house elf that like it has lived this entire life in slavery and is conditioned to do this to itself, but. Fuck if I couldn't like I I could have done with ten percent of it. Yeah, but hey, we'll never see him again, so we're good. No, yeah, no, he he's he he's a one time character, right? Yeah, I think that that'll be fine, and and I do like um, I'm jumping all over the place, but that's okay because we're magical creatures. <laughs> uh, I, I love the expansion of Moaning Myrtle and her role. Uh, whoever the actress is that plays her is, is just so much fun and just perfect delivery and like it's just great. Um, so, uh, quick quick aside with moaning with moaning Myrtle. So I was actually watching this with my wife and kid, and my wife turns to me uh, in the scene where uh, Harry and and Ron and uh, Lockhart are about to open the the you know the sinks to go down to the chamber of secrets. Yeah. And she goes, you know who she reminds me? And my wife has watched Harry Potter numerous times with us. Like it's not a thing, but she's like just watching it for the first time. Uh, she goes, you know, who she reminds me of the ghost of Christmas past from, or, or ghost, ghost of Christmas present from Scrooged. Uh, talking about Carol Kane. Yeah. Uh, just in like her mannerisms and the the tone of her voice and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh yeah, which that and that that's a movie that we need to do on the memory distillery for sure. But oh, is that like, I, I was I, I was really hoping you were going to lead into the fact that you did research and it's like, oh, that's her granddaughter or something like that. But no, 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 uh, no, 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 not not at all. No, did not uh did not research it at all. Just thought it was a fun little anecdote between. My wife and me about <laughs> Moaning Myrtle and, and the ghost of Christmas present it, from Scrooge. It was lovely. Uh, it was like an early Christmas present It was lovely. I thought so, us. too. Yes. <laughs> Speak, speaking of Christmas presents, when when they did finally open up the bathroom sinks and to get into the Chamber of Secrets, I don't know if it was just me or not, but all of a sudden I see this gigantic hole open up. It's dark. You can't see anything. I'm thinking if you shove someone down that hole, you're just straight up murdering them. Right? That's, it's like that's Game a, of Thrones That's a murder style. hole. Like, you know, that's, I want to see him fly. Like, it's, it's just death. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it turns out it's like a fun. That was a water slide. Yeah, it's a fun water slide without the water. And, and whoa, whoa. Which, into a by the way, uh, Universal Studios execs, if you're listening, uh, in the Harry Potter experience, if you could include the Death Water slide to the uh, Chamber of Secrets, 
somewhere in like a, a hidden area of the Harry Potter experience. That'd be great because it looked like a lot of fun. And includes a lot of sharp, broken bones at the bottom of the slide. Yep, so, for sure. Yeah. And 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 basilisk teeth. Yeah. Well, we got that straightened <laughs> out. Um. So well, here we are. We're in the Harry Potter universe, and and you know whether it's the first book slash movie as we move in now we're starting to get the feel of what it means to go to hogwarts and to start taking classes and learning and all that stuff and i can still it's going to be quite a few movies before i stop chuckling at the fact that harry went diagonally um instead of (laughs) instead of diagon alley but uh, I can't even remember. Was that the first movie or this one? Did I forget to mention it last time? No, that, no, that was this okay. one. That was this one. So yeah, diagonally. That just that still makes me laugh. I don't know why. It, it's so subtle. Diagonally. Like did what did did he say? Diagonally. It's like so that was funny. Um, but the, well, and so here, okay, hold yeah. on, because that part, uh, literally, either of the adults could have repeated it exactly what he said yeah. and gone after him, but didn't. And so he ends up in what I can only describe as uh, the wizarding alley of murder and rape prostitution, which is what it looked like. That, there was a sign that said that. Um, it was like, McGillicuddy's. Uh, and then that was the <laughs> subtitle. Um, yeah, so so we're back in that. We get to Diagon Alley again, and that's you know a fun place. I've not been to like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter experience. I've not visited. It's the, so much. fun. I want to go, and I'm. It is a ton of fun. I'm hoping it happens. You know, at that in this world of ours now, that that's something that can happen again at one point. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just going to keep continuing imagining it, and um, I think a fun part of that experience. And maybe this is fun, like when you go to visit the park, but in my mind and imagination, a fun part of the whole process of getting into the Harry Potter world is when they go to Ollivanders and and get their wand, you know, like I, me as this, you know, old person sitting in a chair is thinking, I would think that'd be so much fun. I'd love to get a wand because who wants, you know, you do magic and becomes your companion in all your learning adventures of wizardry and all. Um, So Anthony and I, as promised uh previously in this episode wanted to share with you uh what the wands that alivander picked for us as well as the meaning of the type of wood and the filling i don't know what you call the inside of a wand (laughs) the the caramely nougat in the middle of the the nougat um (laughs) the nougaty center of our wands but anthony i don't know if if you'd like to go First, with that, tell us about your wand. Yeah, so uh, the wand, and we went to to Pottermore just like we did last week with our sorting. We went to Pottermore uh, to, to to take quizzes and find out what wands we or what wands picked yeah. us. Because, as Olivander will tell you, uh, the wand picks the wizard, not the other way around. Uh, so my wand is a dogwood wood wand with a dragon heartstring core, 13 inches long and rigid flexibility. Ollivander had to say about my wand, uh, dogwood is one of my personal favorites, and I found that matching a dogwood wand with its ideal owner is always entertaining. Dogwood wands are quirky and mischievous, Uh, They have playful natures, 
and insist upon partners who can provide them with a scope for excitement and fun. It would be quite wrong, however, to deduce that the oh, sorry to deduce from this that dogwood wands are not capable of serious magic when called upon to do so. They have been known to perform outstanding spells under difficult conditions, and when paired with a suitably <laughs> a suitably clever and ingenious witch or wizard, can produce dazzling enchantments. An interesting foible of many dogwood wands is that they refuse to perform nonverbal spells, and they are often rather noisy. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. The dragon heartstring, as a rule, dragon heartstrings produce wands with the most power, and which are capable of the most flamboyant spells. Dragon wands tend to learn more quickly than other types, and while they can change allegiance if won from their original master, they always bond strongly with the current owner. Uh, the dragon wand tends to be the easiest to turn to the dark arts, ooh, uh, though it will not incline that way of its own accord. Uh, it is also the most prone to the three cores, uh, mo- sorry, the most prone of the three cores to accidents being somewhat temperamental. So that is the wand that was that chose me on Pottermore. John, tell us about your wand. I will, but I have to say, just observing just from the wand that chose you, it it's funny because it, it's not what, like, I would just expect. It's not like, oh, bam, 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 it hits five points that are all Anthony to a T. But as far as a partner for you, I imagine... Especially with the stories of like, you know, the two dogs that you have now and your adventures and like (laughs) training them and dealing with them being their own lovable idiot self sometimes. Like the idea of having a wand made of dogwood that's all like quirky and mischievous and it could be loud and you have to deal with it. I'm like, I'm imagining you just (laughs) you just turning it into this great companion that, you know, from like raw material. And it's like and I also laugh that it's you know, it refuses to perform nonverbal spells. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that, that part bothers me a little bit. Cause like, what if I'm trying to be, you know, a little stealthy, I can't do that. But I think that it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting choice. Uh, and, and I think that it's, it, it comp- certain parts of it definitely uh, complement me well. Well, I think, and maybe for both of us, because I feel similar, similarly a bit where, like, I really like some parts and I go, oh, I would have preferred this. But maybe it's just like, it's going to help us grow into the wizards we need to be, you know? That's it. Yeah. That's got to be it. So speaking of uh, of wands, <laughs> that's the best segue I have. Um, mine <laughs> is pine wood with a phoenix feather core. 13 and three quarters inch and slightly springy flexibility. Which you'd get from pine. Yeah. So. And, and again, just a note I, from my research, the, the, the lengths of the wands are all relative. Like there's some like background saying that it's like, it doesn't mean just cause you're tall, you have a large wand. If you're short, you know, it's not about physical stature and, you know, and it goes on and tells the history of, of wand stuff, but it doesn't seem to be too relevant to the person or personality um, in any specific way. And then, like rigid, the more rigid the wand, the more focused the the, the person. Um, where the more flexible, the more springy, the more bit of an airhead, but maybe more imaginative they are. So it's like I can see that. I can see you being a very focused wizard. Um, 
but with mine, and I can see me being kind of all over the place, <laughs> the, uh, the, the pine wood, uh, Ollivander says, is uh, his, his thoughts are, the straight-grained pine wand always chooses an independent individual master who may be perceived as a loner, intriguing, and perhaps mysterious. Ooh. Pine wands enjoy being used creatively, and unlike some others, will adapt unprotestingly to new methods and spells. Many wand makers insist that pine wands are able to detect and perform best for owners who are destined for long lives, and I can confirm this in as much as I have never personally known the master of a pine wand to die young. The pine wand is one of those that is most sensitive to nonverbal magic. I like the dichotomy between us, that's kind of fun. And at, yeah. at the core of this wand, the Carmely Nougaty Center, is a phoenix feather, which is the rarest core type. Uh, phoenix feathers are capable of the greatest range of magic, though they may take longer than either unicorn or dragon cores to reveal this. They show the most initiative, sometimes acting of their own accord, a quality that many witches and wizards dislike. Phoenix feather wands are always the pickiest when it comes to potential owners, for the creature from which they are taken is one of the most independent and detached in the world. These wands are the hardest to tame and to personalize, and their allegiance is usually hard won. Um, I, I enjoy this personification within a wand. I like the idea that it's difficult. I like the idea that it's that there's a lot of potential, but it's really going to be one of those like it takes a real long time to to like sync up and to get to where you're wanting. But once you do, you know you're awesome. And like I like that I have that slightly springy flexibility, and I have a wand that you know is good for like new new ideas, new methods, and spells. So. That's fun. I'm, I'm into it. I, I, I say, hand it over, Ollivander. I'm ready to do my magic. Leviosa. No, I think that that's very cool. <laughs> Not Leviosa. Uh, no, I, th- I think that that's super cool. I think that the, uh, especially the idea that it can sort of adapt and, and even, because uh, it, it kind of gives off the vibe that it can help you to develop new spells and and to kind of channel magics in ways that maybe haven't been done before yeah. so i like that a lot and and also the whole bit about you know the uh, master of a pine wand you know won't die young and i've already got that nailed <laughs> i'm not young anymore so i That's it's, fair. it's okay i'm creeping up on not young so <laughs> yeah but you got a dogwood wand so you're fine yeah I don't know what that means. So no, no, I'll I'll probably die. So uh. <laughs> burn out in a blaze of glory with your dragon wand, betraying everybody as you go. There you go. Only if you want to, though. Better to burn out than to fade away. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> as Tom Morello always says. Yep, Tom Morello, <laughs> one of those other '90s musicians. The villain, the villain of the '90s musicians groups. <laughs> Um, in the name of. No, there was one thing that Tom Riddle said uh, in, in the Chamber of Secrets that it, it, I, I had to think on it for a second, and I went, oh, okay. I don't know if it's a reference to that, but it felt that way. Um, it, it, Harry said to Tom, like, oh, we have to help Ginny, uh, or, or, oh, no, give me back my wand. And Tom goes... I'm afraid I can't do that, Harry. And I'm like, okay, 2001, a wizard's odyssey. Odyssey, like, 
uh are, are you how 9000 of hogwarts like <laughs> this this episode i keep thinking you're building up to something but you've already gotten I, there and then i yeah. get that awkward pause where i'm waiting for and then <laughs> kabam and i'm like oh and then the basilisk happened yeah we need a soundboard so bad yeah. to fill in those so awkward so pauses. bad it will be here next week <laughs> i i actually have this thought because i had to think of something fun in my head while you were talking to occupy my time um, and I had this thought about Tom Riddell, like the, <laughs> the scene where he reveals to Harry, you know, the anagram of his name. Mm-hmm. I just had the funniest thought of Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. If he if he were <laughs> Harry, and he would just be like, "You're you're a, a lower vault. What does that even mean?" That, that, <laughs> this is another puzzle within a puzzle what's going on here and like and he just get all frustrated and that's how he would beat the dark one that's uh, fantastic but yeah uh so so yeah so i again i think this is a, a fun journey it seemed a little daunting at first but you know now i'm just like i'm all in i can't wait to get through them all and give like an overall evaluation and i think you know, we're not going to get into it now, but you've hinted at some really cool ideas of what we could do for the finale to, to make this a really spicy meatball and uh, yes. bring some extra flair to the occasion. But we're not there yet. So here, no, we're not. within this movie, I, I think we need to talk again about some of the casting decisions for our future remake. just going to suggest that. So now... Off mic, you would suggest it, or maybe on mic, I don't remember. Uh, but you would suggest it. Uh, Snape, McGonagall, uh, Gilderoy Lockhart, and Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, because I feel like we uh, can add in a couple who are throughout the series each time, and then add in a couple that get introduced as we go, uh, to just yeah. kind of balance it out. So yeah, those are the four this week that we're going to tackle. Who do you want? Who do you want us to go so, dip into first? I. I think we'll go ladies first. I think we'll go uh, Minerva McGonagall. Oh, uh, who yeah. did you have for Professor McGonagall? I had, hold on to your hat, Marissa Tomei. Oh, hmm. I know it. It's it's. I think uh, maybe an unauthor unauthor. Yeah, you know that uh, unorthodox. No, no. I was meant to say unorthodox, which oh, is a oh, wizard un- term. Wax. Yeah, it's a wizard term. Um, that that Charlie Day, which means don't write on the wax. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, I I just really do like it wasn't who was coming to mind at first, but it was introduced to me outside of my brain, and it seeped in, and I let it sit there for a while, and I was like, you know what? Like she would just bring a combination of attitude and fun. Like she could really give you that stare, like you know my cousin Vinny, that look, like I'm serious now. And you're like, oh, but she can be very charismatic and can like, you know, lead people like in a different style. Um, and so I really think it would be a lot of fun to not try to just imitate, uh, you know, Maggie Smith, but to just go a little direction. To go off in a little different direction here. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's what I went with. Who who did you pick for uh, Minerva? See, I kind of like your answer better than mine. Like, I started going originally in, like, an Angela Lansbury direction, mm. but I felt like maybe she was a little too soft, so I went with Tilda Swinton instead. 
Now, Tilda Swinton, I mean, is a powerhouse and would definitely can, we already know she could be, you know, a great sorceress. Um, yes. And so, like, I, I don't think that is a bad choice at all. And I really dig the way she can kind of give all these different vibes that almost no other actor can, you know, where that, uh, whether it's just a bit of un, like, a, of a different world quality, just something yes. that, you know, could be really intriguing. And- and I think that that's kind of what drove me in that direction. But I also really like the roundedness of Marissa Tomei. So yeah. that's kind of why I like her a little bit better than my pick. Uh, how about uh, we'll go with uh, one of the sort of new introductions. Mm. Uh, we'll say Lucius Malfoy. Now, this one was tough because, uh, again, they it did such really a great was. casting. They did such a great casting job. But they, we keep it'll be a broken record. Sorry, folks, if you don't like hearing that. But so many of these roles are just amazing. And I'm going to say that again with one of the other people we talk about in a few seconds. But for uh, Lucius Malfoy, I thought like the main quality that I wanted to retain was charm and like viciousness, like in just a look. Like I wanted that. Like and so. As I went through all these different possibilities, I ended up selecting Michael Fassbender. See, I uh, he was on my list, mm. and I had it narrowed to two at one point, and so he got knocked off. But he was he was probably in like my top five. That's cool. I mean, I take that as a victory because it means between the two of us, we both think he was really close to being the best. And oh, for sure. It, I do have one other person I considered heavily, but I want to see who you pick because it'd be funny if it was like we both thought of the other person, but that so, went a different direction. My final pick was really tough because I want I, I was. I was at a crossroads. I was between who looks like they have a pile, you know, a plate of shit under their nose, uh, but who also is like charismatic. And so for plate under plate of shit under the nose, I was like, oh, Chris Barry, who you may know from like Red Dwarf or from uh, uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Uh, <laughs> but for the the charisma and sort of the ability to bring it i i landed on clive owen i oh my god that is the sec the other person i was considering <laughs> man it is so bizarre when these things happen but no i was absolutely <laughs> i was going back and forth between the two of them i love that choice i think it's solid i think he's got the charisma and the intensity and for me for it just edged out with fastbender because I like how for me I've seen so many times where he he can kind of come across as kind of charming and then all of a sudden it's like bam now I'm vicious where and I'm sure Cla- it's that magneto feel that he has in the X-Men yeah. movies I think that probably edged him out over over Clive Owen I totally get that but um but yeah so but no I think you know pat ourselves on the back I think we managed yes I can't believe out of the hundreds of <laughs> options we both kind of came to two at least some of our top picks were both all narrowed down so that's awesome um so i think they're where we may diverge is on this next one uh but who, who, you, you were gonna say no, was, who, who which which of the two are you oh wanting? so so the next one who i was uh thinking we should recast is uh professor severus snake i have the answer i have the best answer whatever you have to say is wrong I have the best oh, answer okay, good. ever made, but that's why you need to go first. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you say unless it's the same thing, but I have the best answer ever, and you will agree with me when I say it. Okay, so 
I think in terms of like his his broodingness and his his no nonsense sort of demeanor, mm-hmm. th- there's two really good choices, but I think the one that edged out the most for me was Christopher Eccleston. A solid pick. You're completely wrong, but a solid pick. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know the correct answer to this? I want to know if the correct answer is my other answer. So, yes. The other answer, the correct answer, is Adam Driver. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, Just he is the right answer. That is not him. who I, that is not who my second was. But, yes, he he definitely would embody snape in in such a very cool way i like it a lot like oh just the the my other uh, pick was mark shepherd by the way yeah <laughs> i'm not as excited about that as i'm about with uh chris huckleston but um but yeah i i like the, the physical demeanor the appearance that that way of like he could even have the same haircut you know <laughs> like he he could <laughs> but that the way he could just draw out his words and give you that glare mm-hmm. and like oh i'm so excited about that pick like i really out of all the eight that we've done he, so he far, commands a room yeah. so well i'm a big fan like, so like yeah like i really think that that level of charisma and what he can bring and, and again we you and i both love uh, you know, I was gonna say I was gonna say Candy Rickman, but that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> Andy Richter is it? An- Andy Rick? No, that's not. His- Why can I? Th- no, what is his name? Alan Alan. <laughs> oh my god! I'm not even drunk. <laughs> Andy, and <I> just- <laughs> Andy Richter's from Conan O'Brien. <laughs> I know. I was saying, yeah. Anyway, which is a really funny pick. But that's not who I wanted. Anyway, but no, like, we love uh, good old Andy Rickard. No, Alan Rickman. <laughs> Alan is, Rickman. of course, just amazing. He's fun. He's great. But, like, the depths of where this character, in my opinion, can go and needs to go for the, the depth of pain and emotion uh, to portray what he's gone through, I think, oh, I just get, I almost, like, I'm sad that this isn't a real thing because of our eight picks so far. This is by far my favorite personally that I just would love to see happen. That, that no, it's a fantastic pick. And I, I honestly think that when, when, especially when you talk about like doing justice to a role and to the previous actor who had, who had filled that role, I think that Adam driver f- filling the shoes of Alan Rickman is probably the, the, the the most honorable all right well we're down to uh gilderoy lockhart gilderoy lockhart so i want you to go first with this because i have a, a, a... go ahead i want you to go first yeah. this is another <laughs> one where i had two different actors very different actors who have i mean there, there's a tiny bit of overlap but like their their wheelhouses are slightly different but um, my main thing I was really looking for was someone who has, again, that that level of charm, that level of he's very suave, um, and but he also yeah. has that, like, he could be just kind of self-serving as well, and he can have a bit of that villain turn just in that, like, hey, I've got to please the public kind of thing. And mm-hmm. for me, the, the best selection it all came down to, I decided on Tom Hiddleston. Okay. I like Tom Hiddleston a lot for that role. Just the, the it's not he, he 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 was he was on the short list, but he wasn't 
my top two. Yeah, I love just his his ability to be kind of nice and sweet and charming, but like as we see in Loki and, and Thor, like one of his biggest roles, um, that ability to just kind of turn that little grin into a sly, uh, cunning, you know, move behind the scenes to do what it takes to get what he wants kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think he could bring a lot to the role. Not be, I love Kenneth Browning's performance. I thought it was very funny and, and like that whole, like, oh, absolutely. all the, all the mothers of all the wizards and witches love me kind of thing. Um, but I, and I think Tom can still bring that, but also bring a slightly more, you know, menacing side to it. So I, I think that could be a lot of fun. I like that he could play a, a bit of a coward, but someone who will like stick the knife in your back to get what he needs. So I went a little, a little more in the suave direction and I, I was thinking about it today and I went, you know, for Gilderoy Lockhart, I would want to recast him with an American actor and it would need to be like a Greg Kinnear type, hmm. but not necessarily Greg Kinnear. And so I was thinking about it and thinking about it. I go, who's like Greg Kinnear, but has like a more punchable face? <laughs> and so I landed on Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald. Give me some roles. Why am I? Christopher McDonald is, you'd best know him and most want to punch him as Shooter McGavin in oh. Happy Gilmore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I totally see his face and I want to punch him. <laughs> i mean to that regard you nailed it um i've not seen him in much of course I, I know him as shooter and like but that role is so hammy so cheesy like i could see that being a good match i wonder just what would he bring to the the role and i think he could nail that whole like that you know aging so, wink at the camera hey everyone i'm gilderoy lockhart you know like well, exactly, and I think like he's got like the ladies' man sort of vibe to him that he could like have that that real charm to him, but also like he's way more confident than he has any right to be. Yeah. So like that that's sort of where I that that's how I landed on Christopher McDonald was was really was like the the overconfidence overcompensating for a lack of ability and and like to be fair i think you know between him and tom hiddleston that tom might be a little bit young you know i think this role is supposed to be someone who has been around seen it all he's kind of a legend in his own mind because he's done so much and seen so much whereas you know you need someone who it looks like they've had a chance to you know, steal the limelight from a lot of people over a lot of time and turn it mm. into books published over generations that everybody uses. So I kind of and I steal steal being the operative word. Yeah, of course. Like he, he <laughs> I'm sure everything that every bit of fame and 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 notoriety that Gilroy Lockhart has, he stole from somebody else. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think we've done a brilliant job. I think that Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or Shudder or whoever is going to start the next Harry Potter series. Um, <laughs> Shudder, you know, Shudder said they, they put $4 billion on the table to win the rights. So, um, really? No. But if they did, that would be stupid. That would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, a horror streaming horror, service. A, horror a B movie, Potter. B-movie horror streaming service. Oh, man. That's our show, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening to us each and every week. We release new episodes every Monday, so 
queue it up on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or uh, Podbean or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts as we distill another favorite from our past. And hey, by the way, I just want to check and make sure. How you doing, everybody? You okay? I know that like the world is crazy right now and uh, there's you know, California's on fire and uh, you know, all, all the all the protests and COVID is still going on. Are you wearing your masks? Are you social distancing? Are you taking your meds? Are you eating right? Are you bathing? Do all those things, please, because uh, we want you to stick around and listen to more of our podcast and, and enjoy more of life. And we're going to get through this together. OK, so, John. How can our fans reach us? Well, um, they can reach us in a lot of different ways. Emotionally, you can connect with us if we're all listening to the same music together. Um, sometimes I like to put on some like Latin music and Buena Vista Social Club, something like that, do some dancing. feels good. Other times I like to listen to Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore, which is a music we edit into our podcast and and it's really great that we uh, have this this completely legal binding relationship, with which means that if we do give them a sock at some point, they can no longer be a part of our podcast. But <laughs> let's not dwell on that. That's like a dark side of things that we don't want to get too much into. But you should listen to their music because it's pretty great. Um, and then and don't give them a sock. And don't give them a sock, please. At least don't trick me into giving them one of my socks. Uh, or same goes for Anthony. Um, but if you do have questions about socks or other contracts, um, you can write us at thememorydistillery <laughs> at gmail.com. It's the email we handle almost all of our legal questions that have to do with the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Um, and following us on, you know, at TMDpod on Twitter or Instagram, if you want to keep up with it that way, and our Facebook page. Just look up the Memory Distillery because it's a lot of fun, and we do a lot of little quizzes and polls and, and stuff like there as well. Um, with that in mind, keep checking things out. We're going to be pretty active on the Facebook page as we continue to dig into the world of Harry Potter, and we get to the Prisoner Ask Man. We have a lot of uh, other cool things lined up for extra credit uh, projects that we're working on besides recasting more actors. Um, it's going to be so much fun to continue this path with all of you. And thanks again for listening. Hang in there. The world's crazy. We're crazy. It's all rough, but we're going to make it through it. Um, I am John Deck. And I am Anthony Verneri, and this has been the Memory Distillery. Expelliarmus. Uh, Mr. Expel it. Oh, I got one. Oculus Repairus. You should learn that one. I don't know what she says, but it was like, yeah, you should probably learn that one. He should learn that one. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs>